Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Below the Fold, where some of the best content is just a scroll away. Today's conversation, where should content ideation begin? Let me throw down some introductions. We have Nate Birch in the studio, SEO manager at MapR Technologies. That's me. Brandon Hassler, founder and CEO of Market Campus. What's up, my man? And Paxton Gray, director of marketing operations at 97th floor. Yo. Before we get real into the conversation, I want to introduce our guest today. Uh, We try to get at least one per month. Today, Joshua Moody is an entrepreneur and award-winning enterprise digital marketer at 97th floor, where he leads a team of digital marketers. Clients he has created digital marketing campaigns for include Salesforce, Pluralsight, and Progenix. Is that, is that how you say it? Progenics? Yep. You can connect with them on Twitter under the Twitter handle at GotMoody. Glad to be here. Nate, take us away. All righty. So for this discussion, I wanted to talk about where the ideation process starts. For me, I, I see two different ways to start creating content. The one, you have the, the big idea person that comes in with, be it, be it as grandiose idea as you want, be it a simple idea. They... They come in with this concept without having perhaps any, any previous understanding of a website's audience or what has previously worked, and they will create a, an outline for the content piece and the promotion and every, basically the entire campaign and how it's going to work. And then on another side, you have the people that are behind any of the tracking within, within a website. They, they understand the audience they have seen the analytics and the raw numbers behind user metrics as far as pages per view, as far as session duration. Basically, they have all the numbers and everything behind the existing content on a website, and those people can then take that existing content and, and either repurpose or create new content, piggybacking off of those concepts to create additional content. I wanted to get your guys' ideas as far as uh, strengths and weaknesses for either of them because they both exist and which one you would choose. So the question is, which do you prefer and why, basically? Exactly, because there are strengths and weaknesses to both of them. I'm just curious to see from, from each of your perspectives wh- which one you would choose right off and what are the positives and negatives behind them. Let's start with Josh. you have thoughts on that? I do. I've got a lot of thoughts on this. So honestly, when I, when I take a look at content creation from the very beginning, I... Uh, I don't generally segment between the, the two. You know, should I go to the SEO team? Should I go to a, a creative team to come up with the ideas? Uh, because I think they both provide very, very different perspectives. Um, and really what I want to get to when I start creating content for my campaigns and on my team uh, that I work with, I try to understand who understands the user the best and try to originate ideas from that. Um, so say, for example, if it, if it is the SEO that understands the user better because he has access to more data, um, I think that very, very valuable ideas can be created from that. Um, I think creatives you know, can come up with a lot of great ideas as well. So I don't think it's, it's that definitive that you know, it should be one or the other, um, but I think it should be absolutely a collaboration of, of both, and that's always work the best in my experience. So if it's, if it's a collaboration, and I, I completely agree, what, what strengths do you think the guy that doesn't have, so the, call him the creative guy, I know, I know mm-hmm. we hate that concept because there's a million different ways to be creative. Mm-hmm. What strengths do you see the creative person? Air quotes. Air quotes, yeah, air quotes all over. <laughs> Again, but uh, 
what strengths mainly do you see that person bringing into the, the entire campaign? I also want to know if you had to choose one, which would it be? Great questions. I'll start, uh, I'll start with Nate's question. Really the value that I see from those different type of creative people um, stem from their ability to storytell through digital mediums. So whether it be a creative that is a designer or a developer or you know, videographer, what have you, um, I feel like really what they bring to the table is their storytelling ability. Um, and so if they can then help kind of craft our ideas around how they can best execute the story and we can communicate a message that's cohesive amongst the whole entire team, I feel like that's really where they bring the most value. So I guess coming back over to, to your question, Paxson, I would probably say that um, in my experience, a lot of the best ideas have come from the SEO side or originated from people that have that data. Because generally, I feel like they understand the users better. They understand how long they're going to land or stay on each page. Um, it un they understand the distribution model for the piece of content. And they kind of see the full spectrum. So um, their decision-making is based off of data, not based off of whether or not the, uh, the piece of content looks good. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do think that, that you can kind of pigeonhole yourself, though, if you go only off of past data, though. I think that's a big, a big problem that sometimes people run into. If you're only making decisions off of data that you currently have, you limit yourself for the, that kind of serendipity that comes through coming up with new and groundbreaking ideas. I think really what this is is a discussion between do you follow your gut when making decisions or do you follow the data? Because really the people who are doing design and, and the creatives, they are following intuition and they're following things that they've seen, but it's mostly like their gut and their feelings about this piece of content and what would be a good idea. Whereas the, the digital marketing team, they're typically using the data to make these decisions as far as what pieces of content we create. In a perfect world, if I had to pick a side, I would, I would say let's side with the data. Um, but the fact is we're not in a perfect world and there's lots of data we don't have access to and we're not very good at interpreting large amounts of data in order to create, turn that into good content. Now, we can do that, obviously, right? I mean, it's possible. We can make that call. But I feel like if we are doing that, like Josh mentioned, we're limiting ourselves to the world that already exists. We know that zombies are a big thing, and, and we could see, oh, look, there's lots of searches about zombies, but there's not really good content. Let's do some good content about zombies. Yeah, well, 10 years ago, Half the people who love zombies now didn't realize they love zombies, all thanks to things like Walking Dead or, or World War Z, right? So those movies and, and, and TV shows that come out about this thing in pop culture, many of them started off as a gut choice, right? I think this would be a cool idea if we did this. It's not based in data. No one knows that they want this thing. But if they had gone based off of pure data, we'd still be living on entertainment in the 90s, right? That's all based off stuff that we already have. I don't yep. know why I picked the 90s. The changes. So while you're eliminating some consistent success when you make decisions creative, uh, creatively based on data, uh, you're also preventing yourself from investing in serendipity to some degree and creating some piece of content that just knocks out of the park. No one's like it. No one's seen anything like this before and it just shakes the world, right? Yep. But if we're going from a business perspective and my job is on the line or I got to turn a profit by Q1, I'm probably going to play it safe and play with the data. But idealistically, I'd rather choose 
the creative yeah, uh, I, make I, decisions from the gut. I completely agree. And it's funny that you brought up the whole the whole zombie content because as weird as it is, I I actually like the uh, the, the old Resident Evil movies completely based on, you know, you have some some strain of virus that creates creates zombies and go down the list. But with with the explosion of all these TV shows and movies and games everywhere, I have actually come to absolutely hate everything that has to do with zombies. And every time there's any kind of idea that's around a zombie, I have zero input to it because it's just going to be negative. While, while, while we're off topic, uh, I've noticed that Paxton... Well, I going to get back on topic. <laughs> <laughs> Paxton is a uh, data guy. Brandon, do you say data or data? I say data. Nate? Data, data, data. Josh, data? You say data? I'm a data guy. I interchange. All right, (laughs) nice. All right, so back to topic. Go ahead, Nate. Okay, so I actually really liked what Josh brought up initially with the the creative aspect of it, where you have a certain certain radar that you're going to see by not being stuck into the everyday. Uh, For example, the SEO guy that sees all the numbers. They could have tunnel vision for the story that they're telling and the story that they might think that they want to tell. That's why I would start there and then push it to the, to the creative person that isn't stuck in that tunnel vision. Because really, when you have seen so much of the same exact thing, you tend to go toward exactly that same thing. Because you do know, number one, that it's going to work. But at the same time, you also know that this is, this is comfortable. And I think you do need the, the outside view to come in, but for that outside view to work within the constraints that the data shows. So yes, you do have to take some risk in saying, well, we haven't, we haven't ever gone down this road for content before. We haven't ever explored this type of topic. And sure, it could work. And it could bring new audience. I mean, if you think about it, one of the, the hardest things to do is attract new customers, attract new audience. And the best thing that you can do to do that is by branching out and expanding from what you're already doing, from what you're already strong with, and then becoming strong in that area. So I want to get slightly off topic a little bit, not necessarily. I, so actually, before I want to ask a question, it seems like we're all in, a con- in consensus. Is there anyone here who disagrees that content ideation should start with data-driven information? What? Wait, well, I kind of... Go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, I feel like the question is slightly flawed in the first place because if I'm understanding it correctly, we have our creative guy who sits in his big cushy chair, comes up with good ideas all day long. He's the big idea guy. He's the big idea guy. And then you have on the flip side the guy who is not creative at all. There's my air quotes for creative. Uh, but he's really good at analyzing past data and whatnot. He sees the numbers and sees the success rate of the previous content. No, that's not how I see this question. I see this as... The other guys, he's not an idea guy. He's a designer or he's a videographer or he's a writer. He's not the guy who comes up with ideas. He just makes the creativity or the creation of whatever piece of content you're doing. He, he, that art form is his profession. Well, good. It sounds like the last 20 minutes has been spent figuring out what the topic is actually about. Well, in my mind, so, w- so it, it, I believe that a good – assuming the guy is coming up with good ideas – that means those ideas have been validated because anybody can come up with an idea. The good ideas are ones that have validation. There's actually meat behind it. So he wouldn't have that job. He wouldn't have that job if he didn't already have the experience. Already. And I guess stepping back, so I'm 
a little side story. I'm currently taking a uh, entrepreneur class, uh, startup ignition, little plug for them there, and I'm learning something really interesting. I've while I'm in the class learning about startup ideas and whatnot, I've learned that content is very similar to starting a business. Business and content, they have a lot in common. One's a bigger scale, obviously. Um, but the reason that so many entrepreneurs fail and so many businesses go out very quickly is because it usually starts with one or a few guys with an idea, and then they don't validate it. They just say, this. everyone's going to want this. You have to get validation for those ideas. And uh, one strategy behind that is usually if I were to sit a bunch of random people in a room and say, guys, I need you to come up with 50 business ideas. I'll be back in two hours. They would sit around and try to come up with ideas. Uh, the good companies and the good content are the ones that they're not looking for ideas. They're looking for problems. And they're looking, how are we going to solve that problem? I mean, content is all over the place, right? There's a million infographics on the same topic and usually it's like, well, I have an idea. Oh, someone already did it. Well, we're going to do it better because our design is going to look better. And maybe that is the solution. As all the graphics are not mobile friendly, you're going to be the first mobile friendly in this category. So I think the good content typically comes from identifying what are the frustrations that are people having online? What are they looking up that there's, there's search traffic for, yet there's no good content for it? That's where you're finding, because those people are having a problem. They're trying to find something online, and they can't find it. And meanwhile, all of these marketing teams are just trying to come up with the better infographic about the first-time home buyer or, or whatnot. And then it's just content. It's added on. So that's why when you look at serial entrepreneurs and first-time entrepreneurs, the first-time entrepreneurs have to go through a very slow process of almost like going through the paperwork. Okay, who's my target audience? What's the pain they're experiencing? Are people willing to pay to solve this problem? And the serial entrepreneurs can have an idea and they, they go through that process within 60 seconds in their head with their past experience and now they have validation to the idea based off their experience. So I'm assuming this creative guy has that experience to where his ideas are actually validated ideas because I can go downstairs to the street and grab a random college kid, buy him a free Mountain Dew and he'll sit here and fill up this whole window with ideas and I don't think they'll be any better than uh, a team of untrained marketers just sitting around coming with ideas. The guys that have the good ideas are the ones that have the experience with the data. They know what people want. They know what works. They're the, uh, they're so the guys. Go with that guy. They're the guys whose ideas your data is based on. Basically, yeah. So long answer to a short question, obviously. No, no I, I would completely agree with that. I think that far too often SEO or SEOs, they take on way too many hats. You know, they're trying to be the guy that that optimizes for search engines. They're trying to be the social media manager. They're trying to be the content marketing manager and, and the whole kit and caboodle. When in reality, SEO was originally created for, for a distribution channel, right? We're going to distribute our content through search engines. Where now it's like, oh, an SEO is going to, like you said, come up with all the ideas. And so I do think that there is a really good um, like a symbiotic relationship between the SEO guy validating those ideas, like you're saying, um, to give substance to which ideas would work and which ideas are going to flop. Yeah. I don't know. I'm having a hard time with this. The, the, the debate is not like who's better, an idea guy or an execution guy, which it sounds like we're going that route. And I think the answer is obvious. It's the execution guy, right? The, the question is someone who dedicates their life to an art form versus someone who des- dedicates their life to business and, you know, there's overlap, sure. But, like, who should start off the ideation process? Now, you know, 
obviously the solution again is both but if we had to pick i i'm going to present a solution and i think that the person who is their expertise is in that art form they know they're familiar with the zeitgeist they know what's popular they know what's good content what's bad content as far as an art form goes i think that them coming up with uh great ideas then turning it over to the business team who says how can we manipulate this into a way that will fit into this empty slot is a very powerful option what i think i think the art form is different than the content or the context of that art that's created what do you mean for example if i have an idea in my head that I can't visualize. I'm going to explain to a to a painter exactly what I want, and they're going to create that idea in their form. Now, if I do the same type of idea, for example, in in my my position at MapR, what I I love that I have access to all the backend information. I can go into Webmaster Tools and Google Analytics and see this piece of content. There's there's a couple of these weird long tail keywords that are coming in. And they get really good interaction with it, but this this page isn't really designed for that question or to answer that question. So I can then take that and present that to our content creation team, who's going to have writers, who's going to have uh, uh, they're going to have video video people, or go go down the different uh, different mediums that you can then create content in. I'm going to give them that idea or that question. And then, yes, I'm going to leave it to their art form to say, is it best to have written content? Is it best to have a walkthrough? Is it best to have a, a webcast or a video or something? So, so you have the idea now turn it into something that's actually palpable and something that uh, people can actually use. And I, I honestly don't care what the medium is, but I do care that they use their expertise and their understanding of their audience to know how to take that idea and deliver it in a way that they know best. See, but you're starting with a problem and you have like a very specific objective here. It, you know, maybe we should have taken more time to figure out what this question is or what we're debating. The way I see it is we're starting with a blank canvas. We don't have a problem yet. We just know we want to get market share or we just want to know we want to get in front of more people. We need content to go out to lots of people. That content can have certain objectives, but there's a lot to be said for turning over creative control to people that aren't aligned with the same marketing objectives and then making sure that that fits in with the marketing objectives. One case case in point, Casey Neistat, really popular videographer, super trendy, super hip. Nike went to him and said, here's a bunch of money, make something for us. They didn't say, we, we need to make sure that this ad hits a certain demographic and uh, we needed you to say these things at these, these uh, points in time. They just let him loose. And he is a super creative guy. He has ideas floating around his head. He knows what's going to resonate with people. And so he took all their money and took a trip around the world and turned it into this make account video. It has 15.9 million views and all thanks to Nike. Now, if the marketing department had been in control over the content of that video, I can guarantee you it wouldn't have 15.9 million views. Well, that, when you're comparing unicorns or outliers, that's, it's a completely different story. And to say that you're starting How's off... How's that a unicorn? I'm, that's n- Nike is a unicorn the video creator but this situation is not unique but they each have their own audiences that they can already push and make that content successful no he didn't no 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 No, this is this is fresh man this isn't he wasn't a popular youtuber when he made this video he he didn't have an audience so, so how did they initially reach an audience it was nike 
Okay. It had to have been through Nike's Absolutely. influence. Absolutely. So I, I think I, I get your point, Paxton, but I think that we're going to find instances on both sides of the fence no matter what. I don't think there we can argue a right or wrong on either side at this point. I just think that when people are having interactions, think, think about when you are talking to a sales guy. Is it fun to talk to a sales guy? Not very often because the sales guy has an objective. He wants you to do something. When you're talking to someone who's a great conversationalist, it can be awesome to talk to them. And they have no hidden agenda. They don't want you to do anything. They're just a great conversationalist. They care about you. They care about being entertaining. They care that you're having a good time. When you have the marketing people do the talking, they are in control over what this video looks like or what this infographic looks like. Oftentimes, you people can see right through that. They know that you have an agenda and you're trying to get something from them. When you turn the creative control over to someone who just let them loose who loves art or who loves video or who loves interactives and can and just is motivated by letting somebody have a great experience you can get much deeper market penetration if you let them have the reins first and then let the marketing guys slip in to uh, put some branding on it or do whatever I can see that as being a tactic, but it's not it's not foolproof as you make it sound oh yeah I, I guarantee yeah it's absolutely not foolproof like I said at the beginning you're definitely opening yourself up to failure much more often than if you just create content based off of data that people are already looking for. That's much more consistent. And again, in a business environment, I think that's the best way to go. But for what like I would want or what's more fun, I would rather just create some really awesome, really fun content made by people who are really passionate about that art form. And then I'll figure out how to turn that into my marketing objectives. Yeah, I, I agree. Fun is obviously the best option for any anyone who's consuming a piece of content the only the only counter argument i would have is that there are businesses that exist um in a regulated environment where handing the reins over to sure. someone is not possible yeah myriad genetics for example myriad genetics for example yeah and there i mean there are other there are other things to consider like uh does this person who's going to travel around the world and take video know my business and and um anyway you're right. Fun is awesome. I wish I could be more fun. Uh, there are probably some ideas that I, that I could come up with for Myriad that's a little bit more fun than it is. I feel like uh, I feel like not all con- content needs to be fun, though. I think that people trade their time and attention for different forms of value, yeah. of value right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's always necessarily fun. I think they can trade it for information. Like I, w- I would wager I'm not fully understanding exactly of what type of content you create over at Myriad, but but I would throw this out there. I'm assuming you guys probably create more informational content. Would you say that's accurate? I would. So I think that they're throughout content. I think people find value in different, in, in different things, right? Whether it's for entertainment, whether it's for knowledge, whether it's to make a better, more informed buying choice, you know, what have you. Yeah, and that's kind of what Brandon was talking about: is creating content to solve problems. That's not what I'm talking about when I was talking about creative content. That Nike video doesn't solve any problems. It's entertaining. As far as fun goes, it, it doesn't have to be fun either. It can be serious. It can be, but my point was the people who are creating the content have passion about that art form in particular. So it can be a really good writer who writes a super in-depth news investigation piece, whatever, right? So yeah. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that the passion is more important to be behind that content creator for their art form or the passion for the kind of the persona that they're they're creating for. So say, for example, if I'm creating yeah. content for, you know, web developers, I might not go for a really, you know, fun and humorous piece. I might go for something that's more suited to what they like. Maybe they are more analytical, right? 
Um, so would you say that the passion is better, uh, it's better fuel for people that are, are understanding the audience or more understanding the craft, like the art? It's hard to say. If the objective of the creative is to create content that they find self-fulfilling and something where they create it and sure. what they're looking for is I want to feel good that I created this piece of content and then that's objective complete. That's too far. Gotcha. Because then you get into things like HP Lovecraft who got no notoriety his entire life and it wasn't until after his death that he became famous. Uh-huh. We don't have that kind of time in business, right? To get famous 20 years later for business, content we created after our business is gone, right? Sure. But the the so yes, I'd say the the artist whose main drive is I want people to love this. I want my audience to just share this and love it and really enjoy this piece of content that I'm creating. Yeah, that's way more valuable. Well, la- last thing and then we're going to go into last word is my response is typically businesses like going back to your Nike example, businesses like Nike or any other business is they're not going to partner with someone who doesn't share the same audience. So the person who's being passionate and creating their art they're going to do it for their audience. But it just so happens that that guy's audience was the same audience as Nike. Nike's not going to partner with someone who, who creates something that does not communicate with Nike's audience, right? Because, I mean, they're spending a ton of money. Anyway, we're going to, in the last word, 60 seconds each, uninterrupted time where you get to give your last thoughts and opinions. Uh, why don't we go ahead and start with Brandon? So I believe the original, when you first opened up the episode, you asked the question, where does content ideation begin? Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So my answer to that, I suppose, is that I believe content ideation always begins with research. Whether you are a super data-focused guy or you're the most creative, artsy person ever, it ultimately starts with research for inspiration. Uh, When I'm teaching people about how to come up with content ideas, It's usually asking a lot of questions. You're questioning things, and then you're going to places for inspiration. You're going to Quora. If I'm in travel, I'm going to go to Quora and just see what are people uh, talking about in travel? What are are the questions? Are there someone that hasn't done a good job at answering the question? What are they discussing on Reddit? What's the stuff that's trending? So I think even the most creative people are still looking at these different places, getting some validation for these ideas, and then at that point, they have something to where they can at least tie it back to the reason we're doing this is because we saw over 50 people ask this or look for this on this particular place of the web, and we couldn't find any good solutions to it. And, uh, and like I said, content is very much like businesses, and there's really three types of businesses out there. There are the solutions that solve problems. There's these just-for-fun places like, I don't know, Snapchat, I guess you could say. I mean, that's just for fun, really. And then you have social play. I guess Snapchat could go in there where you're connecting people. I'm going to cut you off. You're past time. <laughs> uh, when you first started, I thought you were going to say content should begin from the soul, but you disappointed and no. you didn't say that. Content but that begins from the soul usually fails. <laughs> so, Nate, what do you got? Okay, so again, in, in my position at MapBar, I, lo- I love being able to start with the information that we already have I love to be able to find the, the underperforming content and the superperforming content. One, to be able to fix it, and two, to be able to expand from it. That being said, I love being able to take those ideas and deliver them to the artists. They can then use their interpretation. For, for example, a, a writer's going to know how to, to script their words to be able to reach people better than I ever could. 
a photographer or videographer is going to know how to capture the right light, show the right picture, or give the correct story. So I, I love starting with the information that, that I know and then giving it to another artist to be able to reinterpret and, and reach their audience that they understand. Cool. Paxton? In practice, I support content or creative people being in charge of the content ideation. I'm sorry, in theory, I support that. In practice, I, I prefer starting with data. It's a lot safer. I can better predict its success. As a consumer, I much rather prefer reading and consuming content from passionate people who are the artists. Awesome. I'm going to, I think I've said everything that I've wanted to, so I'm going to forfeit my last word and hand it over to Josh to close this up. Excellent. Um, from my perspective, I really think that the, the best content comes from the people that, that understand the target persona the best honestly. And sometimes I feel like that's the SEO. I feel like sometimes that's the creative, uh, the creative person that's going to design or create the piece. Um, I feel like that content's the best for a few different reasons. Um, but to wrap it up, all things considered, it's because they're fulfilling a need, um, the best, you know, that, that, that persona is, is trying to fulfill. And I feel like when you do that and you create with them in mind, and your piece is ultimately going to have true fans and true followers that will then help disseminate your information even further, further than you could yourself. I like that. If you have topic ideas, share them in the comments. You can always visit us at belowthefold.io. 